to We Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. This is the official start to the unintended season two. That's just a fancy way of saying I can't believe how busy the last three months of my life have been. I had to take a mini break from the podcast for the summer just to get all my ducks in a row. The summer vacation gave us a break in school year, so logically it acts as a break in the We Teach Clay seasons. It was really not my intention to step away from this project for this long, but I feel I'm saying that a lot during COVID-19 time. Like most of you, so many other things called, and it's really hard to say no. I taught summer school, online of course, for the first time in almost forever, and it was drawing, which I've never taught, so there's that. It was a great opportunity for growth, but it took up so much time. I attended an AP Summer Institute with the hopes of growing an AP 3D program at my school. I attended endless virtual PD sessions and prep for online instruction. I worked with my administrator to hire four new teachers in my department. Yes, four. And then there were so many department chair responsibilities like master schedule changes and new strategies to accommodate during COVID-19. Did anybody else have all of this craziness? I know I'm not the only one. Although it seems like I have a laundry list of things I had to accomplish, in a way, it's a list of things I did accomplish. As I focus on the positive, I can look back on these three months and say, look at all of the work I did. I hope you guys are able to do the same. Write everything down that you worked on this summer and honor it as a list of accomplishments. You did all of this. You should be proud. The good news is we made it through. A little tired, a little battered and bruised, but now on to the fun stuff, teaching ceramics. So let's get started with the interview. My next guest is a teacher in Omaha, Nebraska. In this episode, we talk about her focus on classroom management. She explains her approach as students come into class and know exactly what to expect. They can take a breath, sit down, relax, and take in what I have to teach them, but also create in their own headspace. We discuss her mantra, it's not personal, it's procedural and how a ready board helps to provide clear expectations and classroom protocols for her students. She focuses on ways to call out positive behavior to support her classroom community and provide behavioral support for students who need it in person and online. She offers ideas for this year's ceramics curriculum with a focus on process over product. So let's jump into our interview with Deanne Hanish. All right, today I am here with Deanne Hanish on the podcast. Welcome, Deanna. It's so great to see you this morning. It's great to be here. Um, thank you for inviting me to, to have this conversation with you. I've really enjoyed your podcast. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. We sure have had a few very interesting months. Uh, and moving forward with this COVID-19 shutdown, we have a lot of challenges in front of us. I'm really looking forward to getting your input on all of this that's going on. Uh, but before we do that, let's get a little bit more info about you. If you could tell us where in the world you teach, what classes you teach, and about how many students you have. Um, well, I am in Omaha, Nebraska, smack dab in the middle of the country, and I teach for Omaha Public Schools, and um, my school is one of seven high schools in the district. Um, our district serves about 54,000 students, and in my building I have 2,000, um, and it's a very diverse population. Um, we have probably 20% of our population um, speaks other languages. And I think the last count was over a hundred different languages. Oh my gosh. So that's really exciting. Um, but I, I really do enjoy 
uh, teaching at my school um, just because of the diversity. Um, I get to work with all students, um, nine through 12. And I also get to work with our alternate curriculum program students. So those are students that might um, get the opportunity to take pottery with me. Um, they might not get a grade, but maybe we're working on our uh, fine and gross motor skills or our socialization, those types of things. So, yeah. Are the students in the alternate curriculum integrated in the classes with like college prep classes? Or is it a separate class? It's so they have their own program within our building. So I've had students that um, are in wheelchairs and may have um, limited access with their hands. Um, they might not have speech um, capabilities. And so that we have to uh, figure out ways, different ways to communicate with them. Um, so those are just a few of the examples of that. Yeah. Um, they do have, we do have, um, it's called exploratory art. So they do have an art class that they can take. Um, but some of them um, are able to take other art classes. That's beyond. great. So yeah, it's fun. I love, I love working with my ACP kids. And I think they're a good addition to my class. I couldn't agree more. I have a similar situation and I'll have students that will come one-to-one uh, -one with an aide into my classroom. Uh, and this last year I had just an extraordinary um, situation where I had two students and one aide and they sat at this table with two girls and they sat at a table with all girls. And by the end of the year, well, by March, <laughs> they mm -hmm. had created such a bond. And my two girls that are coming with the aide felt like they had friends in this class and they'd see them on campus and they're also in a special program so the rest of their classes are um, together uh, in a different part of campus so it was just a really great experience for all yeah and honestly they are so part of i mean the acp program is such a great program in our building um i mean the kids know who they are we they're actually we call them our rock stars you know, and so you see them in the hallways, everybody knows who they are and they are treated with respect and they're treated as part of the community. And, um, you know, the bummer this year we were going to have, um, they always have a, uh, a, a musical that they put on for the community, which is everybody from across the city comes to it. Um, and they were going to do the Lion King. They got special permission. Wow. Um, creators to do that. And they were going to, there's, going to be a whole lot of different things that they were going to be able to do. But with the COVID, yeah. we had to cancel it. So I mean, this is a great group of kids. And, and I enjoy having them in class because you're right. Um, it it, it um, allows my other students a chance to be leaders and to help out and to create bonds with students that they might normally not. Um, and so it's just a really good I just, I love them. <laughs> that's so great. That's great. I, I, that's, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Now, I heard you mention that there are seven schools and um, do the other schools in your district have ceramics programs as well? We do. So um, we have a curriculum for our ceramics program. You can take up to, well, it depends on the school. Um, so for example, in my building, uh, it used to be we only had beginning pottery. They had to have a prereq, um, which was another art class, just because of our space. I had very, very, very limited space. And so um, we gradually took that prereq off. They had to be a sophomore, again, because of space. But we, we wanted to take the load off of the art one, two classes. And then we went through renovation um, a couple years ago, knocked out a wall. I got my class plus another one. And so now we can have up to four years of pottery, plus the plan is to have AP dual enrollment with one of our um, uh, institutions in town. So wow. we've got goals, we've got plans. Um, and I have one other uh, colleague who teaches with me, but yeah, all of, the, all of the buildings in the district have pottery. Some have all four years and depending on space, 
um, and the number of, of teachers that are in that art teachers that are in that building, they might have two or more two more levels. So. Wow. So when you say all four years, are you talking that it's available for students, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, or are you saying you have a level one, level two, level three, level four? So it is available for freshmen on through senior. They can start off with our beginning level. Um, so and that's kind of fun too, because we've done something different. Um, so the other pottery teacher and I actually share all the uh, pottery one, two classes. So first semester, she has one group. I have the other half of the group that signed up for pottery and she um, will do hand building with them. While at the same time, and we're in the same room, it's split up. There's a wheel area and then there is a hand building area. I will work with the other half on the wheel at the same time. And, and how many students are enrolled in that class? So we are, we limit it to 24 per section. So she, for first semester, she'll have four sections of hand building and I'll have four sections of beginning wheel. And then at semester we flip. Okay. So her students and she gets mine uh, second semester. So that was um, COVID kind of prevention. <laughs> this last semester so we're going to have to do some problem solving but um yeah that's been great because my kids see what she's doing and her kids see what i'm doing they get all excited and um i think that's a really good way to build up the program yeah it creates um, a really good energy in that classroom too yeah. is it is it 24 kids per teacher or is it okay so, so there's 48 kids in the classroom yes there's 48 yeah all together so it must be a big room it is, finally, yes. <laughs> finally. <laughs> a dream, right? Good for yeah. you. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Now, since you have, I mean, I'm, I'm so fascinated by, by all of these ceramic teachers because I'm like this one lone soldier <laughs> in a big mix. Um, so if you have that many teachers, are you guys able to collaborate or do you work together much? Because district-wide, there are several pottery or ceramics teachers. Yes, so um, at the beginning, we have two opportunities um, during the school year to get together during curriculum days, which are meetings, um, they're, they're non-student days that we can do that. Um, I do have a few that I will get together with every once in a while, just to kind of problem solve, um, call each other. Um, this During this last semester, we've been doing quite a few Zoom and team calls to, to collaborate and to plan not only for this last semester, but for next year too. So it's been really nice um, trying to work through that as a group. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how you're, you're doing that um, for yourself. I, I'm hoping that there's people that you're able to reach out to, um, but yeah, it's been nice. I'm very lucky. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think part of the reason why I started the podcast was for that reason. I felt alone and I'm like, I know there are more ceramic teachers out there. They're just not, you know, I'm in a, a, a charter school, so we're kind of independent, but yet the greater Los Angeles area, there are tons of ceramics teachers. So the podcast has kind of been that that olive branch out into the world to find people. So it's it's been fabulous. Um, I do have a couple other people that I've met at um, Enticas, and we keep kind of uh, collaborating, and and that's helpful, you know, to have and to meet people um, within your discipline, especially when we're kind of that that lone soldier most of the time in the in the school. Yeah, I know we have. Um, I'm a part of our Art Teacher Associ uh, Association, um, the Nebraska Art Teachers Association, which is part of the. National Art Educators Association. And so one of the other pottery teachers and I are collaborating to do um, a workshop for the fall conference, which we just found out on that's gonna go online. So now we're kind of scrambling to decide how we're gonna do that asynchronous um, presentation. But yeah, that's I, being taking the opportunity to go to INSECA or to go to your state conferences, your national conferences, and to network and find other people that are, are teaching the same thing you do or similar to you. You know, I've, I've always thought that that was probably the most important thing that I've done in my career is to do that um, because those are the lifelines for me, yeah. those people. Yeah. And I felt like when I went to my first NSICA, I had gotten to a point where I, was, I really needed some 
life. <laughs> I needed a breath back into my curriculum, back into my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I had changed schools, which was revolutionary. You know, if you want to start reinventing yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> change schools. But um, but I just I found that after my first Ansika that I had a new focus and I. Um, I had so many resources, but I went by myself. And so I had to reach out and I had to find people. If I would have gone with somebody, I would have had a safety net. And going by myself meant that I had to reach out and look for a friendly face and be like, hi, I'm Julie. Nice to meet you. What do you teach? Yeah. And and then how can you not come back from something like that and not be re-energized? I mean, and, it, and it's at the perfect time of the year, the middle of second semester and when when you're almost out of juice and you go there you go there and you get all of the ideas and the resources and the people and I mean I always look forward to that if I have an opportunity I don't get to go all the time it's my maybe every once every couple of years but when I do man that's just a it's a booster shot it just gets me going yeah it reminds me all of the things that are out there, but then it reminds me how many fabulous people there are in what we do. It's awesome. Now the community, right? That's like, if there's one word that I can say that is like my mantra, it's community. And I've always been that way. I I like to be with people. Uh, This COVID thing has been pretty interesting for community driven people. Um, I've had to, we've done a lot of Zooms. We're having dinner with our friends and our family frequently via Zoom, uh, which is so weird. And some people are like, oh, I hate it. But for me, I'm like, I've seen more people in the last two and a half months than I would have seen all year. So Mm -hmm. I've been loving that. Tell me just real quickly, the, um, you're putting together a proposal for the Nebraska um, Art Convention, or is it the NAEA, the National Convention? So we're doing the state state level convention, the gotcha. Nebraska Art Teachers Association. Yeah. Okay. And so we decided um, that we would uh, present different ways to um, use underglazes, specifically the the velvet underglazes, because they're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but how to how to use that to treat surfaces? So um, you have the the general ones, but not everybody would know this. But you know, like your scrifido, your meshima, your wax resist, but also some some transfer techniques and um, some inlay techniques using wax. So. Yeah. Uh, more geared towards maybe the middle school and high school um, teachers, but definitely they could, some of the elementary teachers might be able to, to take some of those ideas and make it useful for their, for their own classes, especially for the upper elementary, I think. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's so many applications with those techniques for just like simple line. You can teach kids line and then you can add one of those, um, you know, specialized decoration techniques. Cool. That that sounds really interesting. So let's kind of move in a direction. You and I have kind of prepped some things and we've talked. And, and one thing that I know that's important to you is, is supporting all students. And one of your focuses is on classroom management. So mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about how you use classroom management or you will use classroom management in the fall to support students? Okay. Um, Well, before COVID, and I think, honestly, classroom management is something that's on everybody's mind at the beginning of of any year, Um, but I really used classroom management to help create a space that students could come into and they knew exactly what to expect so that they could just take a breath, sit down, relax and and take in what I had to teach them, but also be able to create in their own um, headspace. Um, So not necessarily, you know, I have students that will come in and maybe something happened out in the hallway and they're way up (laughs) at a level of of energy. And and so I wanted them to be able to come in and, and know no matter what happened out there, that I would be, my classroom would be a constant in in the expectations and in how I would go about making sure that those expectations were followed, but also um, that it was done fairly. 
Give us um, some ex, uh, examples of what those expectations. So like when a student walks into your classroom um, from being either at lunch or nutrition or passing period, when they come into your classroom, what are those expectations? What are the procedures or what are those examples that allow the student to, to maybe go through those check boxes and start to level off emotionally so that they can be in that right headspace? Well, the first thing I'm doing is I'm greeting them at the door so they know that they can expect me. I try to try to do that every single time. Now, not necessarily going to happen all the time because maybe something happened and I'm I'm trying to fix that and get ready for this next group coming in. But um, I do try to be at the door and greet them. And, and that's my first experience with them in the day, seeing where they're at in their headspace by just observing them. Um, but then having that calm demeanor and, and, and excited demeanor too, at the same time, I don't know if that's, that's possible, but like, hey, excited to have you here. Let's get ready to go. Um, when they walk in, there is a ready board. And so on that ready board is what they need to do within the first five minutes of class while I'm taking care of uh, attendance, um, while I'm taking care of little things that might come up as students are coming in, um, but they are getting to work on that. So for example, um, in the one, two classes where there's two of us teaching at the same time. I have to be cognizant of those students as well. Um, so it might be that the students are wedging one to two pounds of clay and getting that ready and getting their wheels ready for that first five minutes so that by the time the other teacher is ready to start teaching her students, my kids are a little bit more quiet because uh, there's it's hard to teach over wedging clay. <laughs> So they're doing that, and then um, we we move right into talking about uh, what the learning objective is for the day. Um, we discuss it if it's something that was from the previous class and they've been working with it for that through that gradual release of instruction. Maybe they practiced it with me, or they practiced it with each other. Um, that's a time to say, "Hey, where are you at with that learning goal?" Um, it might be a thumbs up, thumbs to the side, thumbs down. It might be a reflective piece. It might be a discussion, but we're doing that. And then we move into whatever the next lesson is, whether I'm modeling that or they're getting right into studio. And then um, after that, and we, we're in 90 minute blocks. Nice. <laughs> um, so I have a lot more time yeah. um, things versus if it were a traditional uh, schedule. But then I leave about with the wheel, um, I give them between 10 and 15 minutes. And then I have up on the screen again, um, what those procedures are for cleanup and what the, it should look like at the end of the class period. And all of this, um, I have taught them and I've retaught them um, multiple times in order for that to get ingrained and become a routine. So it's just, it, after a while, it's not anything that I have to say to them. It might be a few students that need a, few, a bit more support. And if that's the case, I have that one-on-one -on -one with them and I say, hey, I really need you to do this and this is why. And if there's pushback, I'll say, hey, this is not anything about you as a person, it's the procedure. This is not personal. It's procedural. I love that quote. That is fabulous because I think that students come in uh, mm -hmm. with whatever they're wearing from before the class, right? Emotionally, you know, trauma, uh, physically, whatever's going on. Maybe they haven't eaten lunch or breakfast. Uh, they come in with that. And when we as a teacher come towards them with some kind of corrective action or discussion mm -hmm. as to what that behavior, is, why that behavior is not um, what is, is ready in that moment, um, I think students take it personally. And I think, yeah. do you tell the students it's not personal, it's procedural? Do you say that? I do. I do. That's yes. And since I started saying that, it's, it's, been night and day in in how they react to that. 
um, or to me giving them correction. And I, I try not to look for kids doing something wrong. My first in instinct right now is to try to find the kids that are doing it right and say, hey, Joe, man, your wheel right now, that splash pan looks amazing. Um, I noticed that you went and got some clean water out of the sink. Um, to get that taken care of. Good job, you know, and hopefully people are hearing me say that as like a reminder of, oh yeah, maybe I should be doing that or, oh, thanks for putting that pedal up off the floor so I don't trip over it after class. And, and think little things like that too. And then that positive reinforcement, I also think helps as well. So not necessarily always catching them doing what's wrong, but trying to catch them doing what's right. What you just talked about is, you know, a, a, an important or an easy way to change almost like the psychology of your classroom. Um, I, I went through some years where early on in my uh, teaching where I was finding that I was always frustrated. And so mm -hmm. I paused and I, I um, started reflecting and kind of did some journaling at the end of each class period, like who, who am I frustrated with? Why am I frustrated with them? What is happening? And I realized that I was spending all of my classes saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And I was, <laughs> after a couple of weeks reading my journal, I was like, wow, stop mm -hmm. don'ting, <laughs> if that, if that, you can even say that. Yeah. And so what I did is I found that I, I, did not let my say myself say don't do that i mm -hmm. i changed you know had to be creative and change the way i approached those students that needed correction but i did find that i i forced myself to look for the positives and then the other students that normally would be corrected they want attention too and most of the time they're getting that negative attention they don't care what kind of attention they get they just want mm -hmm. attention but when I yep. changed the psychology of the classroom, they started behaving because they wanted the attention and I was only giving positive attention. Yeah. And when you're bringing out, you know, those routines and procedures in your classroom rules, um, they're not really rules, they're expectations. And you want to state them in the positive at the beginning of the year too. Um, and, you know, and I, and I know I'm going to have this discussion regardless if we're online or in the, in face to face, but I, I always start the first day of like, what, you know, what do you want this classroom to look like? Think back to the last time you were in class and what are like three characteristics of your classroom that make you feel engaged and excited and contributing to a positive work environment? And then um, what are those three things in a classroom that you've experienced that would cause you or has caused you to feel disengaged or want to switch to a different class or just didn't like the teacher or the people? Like, what, what are those things? And, and from that discussion, that's when I start to weave in those classroom expectations. So, you know, if they're like, man, I just, I, I have a hard time working when it's really loud. Okay, so as a group, we've heard multiple people saying this. So what do you think we need to do as, as an expectation in here to make sure that everybody is able to work? You know, And so they might come up with like, I probably wear my earbuds so that I can just listen to my music or um, have quiet conversations um, to, with the people next to me instead of the people across the room from me, you know? Um, so kind of weaving in and, and making those expectations taught in a way that's not confrontational um, has worked really well for me. Um, especially like last year I had a tough group. I knew they were coming in um, from, from the other pottery teachers class um, second semester. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta head this off and I gotta get them on my team. And, and it worked. Um, for the most part, I had maybe one student that just needed a little bit more support, but I, I saw who my leaders were in that discussion. I saw those who were a little bit more laid back and quiet, um, you know, and that helped me kind of pick out who was going to help me uh, make sure that those routines and procedures were going to be followed by everybody so that everybody had a good time in class and not at the expense of others. I think that sometimes uh, I know that I have done this and I've heard other, you know, uh, 
teachers and friends say, oh, this class is just terrible or, you know, talking about a period or even like a whole, oh, the class of what insert a year. Oh, I can't, I was so happy when they graduated. And sometimes when I think about that, I like it so so much of it has to do with the teacher and classroom management. And mm -hmm. they would have started from the beginning with a really tuned in approach to their classroom management. So much of the that class would have been removed before they were even able to be labeled. Mm -hmm. um, and so I appreciate what you're saying about this. As we move online, if or I should say, if we continue, how are you going to use these ideas to create this uh, classroom management to support, you know, students physically and mentally in these safe spaces? How are you going to create that virtually? Um, so I'm on a committee at school that um, is working with, it's called NTSS, and then they've added a B, and it's just a multi-tiered system of support for behavior. And so we've been really working on what can we do to support teachers and students um, for the for the, the biggest majority of students that we can um, who, who might be struggling in the classroom. And one of our things that we are doing is creating a matrix of behavior um, expectations. And so um, it might be as simple as how does it look to be um, how can you be safe, responsible, and respectful in class when you walk into the class? Or it might be, um, what does this look like when um, I'm teaching um, online? What, what are you doing? Um, what if we go to one-on-one? -on -one? What are we doing? Um, what if you're getting into small groups? What, are, what is that going to look like? Um, so that's like my first step is to figure that out. Um, and I've been thinking about right now, like coming into classroom, um, and, and if this might be a district-led thing to district expectation um, with, with our platform, but when you come in, um, I'm going to have my sh screen shared, and it's going to have what we're doing for the day and the learning objective and what I need for you to do at that moment. So if you're going to take a poll, I need you to do that immediately. Um, just so I can kind of see what your date, how are you doing? Like this, this sounds very similar to your normal, your ready board that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I, I think there's not a lot of things that I'm going to change. I mean, there's going to be some things obviously in my curriculum that I'm going to have to adjust, but classroom management wise, I think it's just going to be, it's just going to look differently online. Um, so like another thing would be, Hey, when you come in, your video is on, but you're on mute. Um, what should your background look like? Um, I'm modeling that right now with you. I, it's, I, it's a blank wall, um, so there's no chance of somebody random walking behind me, and 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 that might or might not be possible for some of our students. And and I, there's where that flexibility comes in. Um, just don't make a big deal. Um, but those types of things, like what is this going to look like when we're all in our online class? Use kind words and emojis if you're responding to something that somebody is saying. Um, like if we're in a, a group discussion, stay on mute. Use the chat option that we have on the side. And then when you're using that, what does that look like? Kids love to chat. They like to type. They don't necessarily want to talk to me, but they'll type. You know, they'll type to me for days. Um, mm -hmm. My biggest struggle, and I'm sure other teachers have experienced this. You might experience this from the get-go in the fall. Um, I've I found that a lot of the students wanted to interact with each other while I wanted to give instruction. And so what I had to do was provide the time for that when it was appropriate and when it was not appropriate. And it took me maybe three sessions to get there. Um, but then by the third session, I said, okay, you know, we've had five minutes of, you know, chit chat, a community building, you know, reaching out to each other. Let's uh, gather our thoughts and listening skills let's, for the lesson. And then at the end, I'll give you another chance to reach out to each other. And it worked. And the students were respectful of that time. Yeah, I think that's key. I mean, I know with the cell phones, just in regular face-to-face -face situations, um, me providing that time for them to have tech time um, it was important. Now, did that fix everything? You know, I think it's important if your building has um, a policy for 
cell phones and they follow through with that policy, it makes life easier. But if they don't, then you're kind of having to figure things out for yourself. Um, but that, I agree, I think that helps allowing that time for, for relationship building. And, and we discussed that at our, our meeting the other day about how probably the first two weeks is gonna be a lot of relationship building and teaching the kids how to use the tech appropriately to be good digital citizens. Um, again, going back to that teaching and reteaching um, and not assuming that they're gonna know off the bat you know, how, how, this, how this needs to look for them to be successful. Absolutely. And, one thing that I am preparing for, in my class, we have a lot of community because my students sit in pods of 10. So they have a table of 10 people. And I did a, a, a form for feedback at the end of the year. And I asked, one of the questions that I asked was, what was, a non, what was your favorite non-ceramic memory or, or memory not about clay? Uh, just because I wanted to kind of get, it gives you a good uh, barometer of what's happening in the classroom. And I was shocked. I knew that this was important, but I'm not kidding. 99% of the students said that they enjoyed the friendships that they made in their table groups. And it was all about the relationships. And I typically get that, but this year specifically, and I think it's because they had bonds and then they were taken away for that last two and a half months. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to get that kind of unique community online? And so for me, that's my big task that I'm wrestling with for the fall is Mm -hmm. how do we create this supportive community where the kids can create and look around at each other and their work to find Mm -hmm. support and inspiration? Yeah, no, I, that's, that's wonderful. I love that. You know, you just have to kind of move forward and be brave on these things. And um, it's just, I kind of feel like I, I sit in on discussions and it's like, oh, we can't do this or I'm worried about that. And and I'm, I'm in my head going, is, is that how I want my kids seeing me solve problems is being afraid of moving forward with something? Um, because we do that with them. Every, we put them in, in situations where they're like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, so I feel like, myself the pep talk that i have to give myself is just be brave just keep moving forward um try it hey if it fails and it fails miserably at least you learned what not to do and you say sorry to the kids and go i'm sorry that did not work like i planned it let's learn from it and let's try something else you know so but i've had the luxury of watching you and and other people kind of problem solve that and that's given me some information to be able to go, okay, I, I know I can kind of move in this direction. Um, but then again, you know, if, if you don't know the format of your, 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 your technology very well, it kind of is a hindrance. So that's something I have to work on. I love that. Be brave. I think we all need to hear that. And I think that there are a ton of educators out there that are innately brave and I admire those people, but I am one that um, I, I need the encouragement and the reminder that I am fully capable of doing what I am going to do. But I just need that, that be brave reminder where I just pull up my bootstraps and I can do this. Just to kind of refocus one more time before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what kind of lessons you would be teaching in the fall, whether it's, uh, we don't have to worry too much about, you know, if it's a hybrid or remote, but um, what are you going to focus on? Is it going to be more history focused or design or maybe even the technical background of ceramics? Um, I think I'm going to have a little bit of each. Um, I definitely am not going to be able to teach on the wheel. And so the other um, beginning level teacher and I are going to have to have some discussions on that, um, but definitely going to get clay in the hands of our students. Um, they need that. Um, we just need to figure out how we're going to go about getting that distributed and then what are we going to do with it once that's in their hands. So we've talked about really simplifying it down to the basics for our beginning students and um, really maybe focusing on some of the things that we might not necessarily uh, have focused on on the past. How, how do you make the slurry or the slip that you use to, to glue your, your two pieces of clay together? Um, how, how do you keep your clay from getting 
too hard or too soft? How do you get it just right? Um, you know, those, those little things. Um, and then also thinking about maybe having a lesson with tools and figuring out how, how to get them to make their own homemade tools. Um, but then definitely there'll be some history in there, looking maybe at more contemporary um, potters. We've talked about trying to get the district to allow us to get clay flicks or um, pottery making still illustrated or something like that. And so that we can maybe have some article discussions as a group and talk about maybe have some aesthetic discussions with aesthetics and, and criticism and whatnot. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're going to do many of the things that we already do, but we might focus on some of the things that we maybe breeze through a little bit more um, and, and keep our assignments quite a bit smaller. So maybe one pound um, projects. I've been thinking about maybe an introductory one with uh, oh, analogies like wordplay, um, like what would be like visual puns. Oh, so, that, yeah puns and so they get a piece of you know, like a pound of clay and they have to create something that's a visual pun <laughs> that's a great idea <laughs> so I, I mean but and then teaching them how to how, how to hollow that form out so that you can fire it and and then then move maybe into pinch pots and and coil just this small small piece you know I think it's going to take us a lot longer, and you could probably speak to this, but I think it's going to take us a lot longer to teach something online versus if they were face-to-face. -face. I don't know if that was your experience, but that's kind of what we're speculating at this point. Like, what was that for you? The challenge, it depends on how you're actually teaching, like you're, if you're going to do live classes or asynchronous classes or how you're going to deliver that instruction. Um, it's very similar to the in-person students where you would deliver a lesson and you would have a student done one class period later and say I'm done and it doesn't look at all like you had intended it didn't follow any of the guidelines they just rushed through it and were finished and then there are always students that are going to take a really really long time longer than you expected and um, sometimes for the better and they exceed your ex expectations and sometimes just students are just much slower at creating. The problem with the online version of this is that we don't have the time to do that formative assessment. We cannot um, offer, well, I shouldn't say we cannot, we can, we have to be creative. And that's where the opportunity is. I learned from this last experience that um, my, I assigned on Monday and my students turned on on Friday and I would normally check in with them four times you know, in that time span. And now I wasn't really checking in with them at all because I had a live session on Monday and a live session on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that opportunity. Um, I am exploring with Padlet as a way for students to be posting their progress throughout. Um, and, it, and it serves a lot of different things. One, the students get to see each other's work. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that's missing in this virtual environment. So they can see their peers and be influenced. Um, their peers can react, whether it's with an emoji, you know, a, a like or a comment. Um, and then I can comment either um, private, not privately, but I mean, I can comment during asynchronous time or I can show the Padlet during live a live session and provide verbal feedback for an individual project that everybody can benefit from. Mm -hmm. So those are the, for me, if you're asking, you know, obviously you were saying, you know, what did that look like? That was my biggest challenge this past year was looking at the final products on Friday and saying, if I only had one or two opportunities to help a student through this project, it would have been different. Yeah, and I, I almost wonder if, if too, I've been thinking on this too, is like the process probably is going to need to be more important than the final product. Definitely. And assessing what they know, that, <laughs> that metacognition piece, um, like what, what is it that you really learned as you were moving through, through working with the clay and, and trying out this technique or these techniques that we were showing you? You know, it's crazy. Every school is doing things a little bit different, and we're working through this right now. Uh, so many things are changing on the fly, and I know that things that my school has done in the past couple months are changing because of what we've learned. And also, all of the apps are changing. You know, Zoom, they're on, I think, their fifth update in the last couple months. <laughs> 
Um, I've heard rumors that Google is coming out with several new updates that uh, will include uh, being able to view upwards of 40 plus students at the same time, uh, doing that virtual background, doing some of the things that we're all asked, all the educators are asking for. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot of really busy programmers and they are probably not sleeping very much. No. Yeah. And, you know, kind of thinking back to some other things like, you know, setting up that creative space. I've been listening to some of the other podcasts, um, episodes and, you know, also we talked about this week in one of our meetings about if, if we're going to give the kids clay and this kind of coming back to those procedures and routines, how can we help the kids create a routine and procedure in their home so that the clay doesn't become something that's annoying to the people that are living with them? Right. Um, you know, so I think that's also one of the things that we're going to be working on too is, is helping the kids create their creative space, but also how do we make sure that that is a space that is going to be functional for them on a daily base, basis, but also functional for the people that they're living with at the same time. Um, so we talked about maybe even having the parents come in on a session and, and we talked to them about what this could look like in their home. Um, so those are just some other things too that we've been we've been kind of brainstorming. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, not everybody is excited about the clay dust. No. Uh, well, Dion, this has been awesome. You have offered so much good stuff, especially with classroom management and procedures, um, creating that safe space for the students, and then also just some really great ideas as far as prepping our curriculum. Um, I want to give you a chance. I know that you make, and um, I know that you uh, are posting and kind of sharing. Um, if you want to share out your uh, social media accounts so that we can find you. So my Twitter um, and my Instagram account are both D-D-H-A-N-I-S-C-H, so D-D Hanish. Um, and my Twitter page I use mainly for my school. Um, posting student videos of their work or just shout outs or information. And then my Instagram, which is mostly cats right now, sad to say. No, don't uh, be sad to say that. Tell me about these cats because I've seen a lot of them. Oh, they are, they're my studio cats in training. So I uh, moved, um, I bought a house last year. Congrats. <laughs> and the basement and it's a nice big basement um, and there's a room there for a studio. And so Last year, I don't know why I did, but I, I went to the Humane Society um, one afternoon and my first cat looked at me and I'm like, I think you and I need to be buddies and you need mm -hmm. to be a So we brought him home and I have a second one, but um, I've been trying to set up slowly my, my basement for a studio area to work in um, so I can get back into clay. Uh, I was going to a studio in town for a long time um, but now that I have my own space, I'm trying to get that prepped and ready to go so that it's safe to use. So, yeah. I miss basements. You, that word brought me back to my childhood growing up in Ohio. I uh, grew up with basements. And when I moved to California, I was like, nobody has basements. We don't have basements. <laughs> it's the earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. Um, and I've been going through 20 years worth of paperwork, um, trying to chuck and file um, writing and, and whatnot that I've done in the past. And so I'm getting down to the, I got one more box. Oh, that feels good. Yeah. So I guess COVID has been good for one thing. It's gotten me to, to, to get that going, but yeah. So, but my Instagram account, if you kind of scroll through towards the beginning of it, you'll see some of, some of the work that I've done. Right. Um, yeah. Mostly click cats right now because that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, well, and we're home. And I, you hit the nail on the head, you know, that you said, you know, that's COVID was good for one thing. But I, I think that, you know, it's very easy to list and kind of wallow in all of the things that COVID has been bad for. And it has been a struggle and a challenge and, and for some more than others. Uh, but to try and keep, you know, ourselves 
in that ship heading forward, you know, focus on those positive things. What's one thing, you know, I try and be grateful for one thing at least every single day. And it's like, what what have I been able to do during this COVID shutdown that I would not have if I was living, doing that normal schedule and life schedule with with in-person classes? And, And I'm able to populate that list with lots of things. Yep. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and look forward to uh, connecting with you again in the future. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed getting to get uh, getting to know you, Julie, and, and this has been really fun. Thank you. I love what Dion says about focusing on the positive. She tells us to find the kids who are doing it right and reward them with positive reinforcement. In contrast to focusing on the negative or students not doing work, And that's the easy way. In real life, focusing on the positive is hard. It's a learned and practiced skill. This made me think about what this looks like in my current virtual learning environment. I'm going to try this tomorrow. Hey, Jill, thanks for being a model virtual student. You're sitting up and not laying down on your bed for class. I can see your whole face and not just your forehead. You ate breakfast and went to the bathroom before class. Excellent work at being present in your online class today. Those of you who are doing the online thing hear what I'm saying. The struggle is real. Another DN highlight is one of her Facebook posts from late August, and I think it's really important for us all to hear. She says, Dear teacher friends, I know that you're seeing a lot of fancy Pinterest classrooms and even fancier Bitmoji classrooms, not to mention art kits being shown off on Facebook that might make you feel as though you aren't doing enough for your students. Here is some advice. Put those Facebook groups on snooze for 30 days and do you. You are enough and exactly what your students need right now, right here, in this moment. The rest of that stuff is just surface. Keep working the content. Keep working that new app that you picked out. Keep making connections. Have some fun with your kids. At the end of the day, these are the things that really matter. Deanna is such a supporter, a team player, and one who looks out for others. She's a kindred spirit, and I'm sure she's a wonderful teacher. What a treat it was to spend some time with her. So here we go. The boat has left the port and we are sailing. Many of us are well into this school year, whereas others are really just getting started. Let's continue to learn and share together. And with that, I bid you farewell. Stay healthy, friends, and keep connecting. 